Hey everyone, this time I have athlete Emma McQuaid. We chat about her career so far. I get a lesson in quad racing. We potentially pitch for Dorito sponsorship and Emma tells me we haven't seen the best of her yet. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Welcome to the Europe's Coming podcast, Emma McQuaid, fittest woman in Ireland, uh, current Waterpalooza champion, four times CrossFit Games athlete, and the Irish national weightlifting champion as of last week. Well done. Thank you. That's pretty cool. That's quite, a, that's quite when you say it out loud in that kind of way, you are a very well decorated athlete. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Just at the right place at the right time, I think. Oh, come on. There's much more to it than that, I think. <laughs> but I, I, thank you so much for being on the show today. I, I asked people what I should ask you about because um, it's always nice to know what the listeners want to know about. And the biggest question I got was, how is the dog? Uh, Ellie, yeah, no, she's getting on good. Um, she's back walking again. Um, she started her physio on Monday. So um, just have to get her like like the signals to be quicker. So it's kind of like the signals is kind of delayed at the moment. And um, so we're doing quite a lot of like balance work with her. Um, so it's every time she eats, we have to do like five like doggy squats. And um, so I've got loads of like homework to do with her. So um, it's actually it's quite exciting. It's quite like it's kind of like your own training, but. Um, it's quite rewarding because obviously like whenever I first started with her she was fully paralyzed and we followed followed the protocol and you know she's back walking so now we're kind of at stage two of her her recovery and um, yes every step of the way is quite rewarding because it's like it's kind of like PT in a way like you're helping someone get back to full health essentially only it's obviously my dog so um, so yeah no we're we're at stage two and I'm confident we'll get her. We'll get her back uh, to her full full health soon. I had a dog who um, had a back operation, and it is so upsetting afterwards when they can't move their legs, and you're just thinking, I can't explain to you what's happened, and you know, you're just it's heartbreaking watching them struggling. So I really feel for you what you were going through. Yeah, no, definitely, it wasn't nice, Diane. Probably wasn't. There's never ideal timing, but it was terrible timing. Whenever everything happened, like the come down from the games and the bait building in Madrid, and all like the emotions of post comps and pre comp and everything. So yeah, no, it wasn't. And then it was te- ten years from my husband had his accident, and no, it was just uh, we were we were a we were a bag of just a mess there for a wee while. But thankfully, we we're over over the over the worst of it, and. No, I'm definitely happy now. She's just making nearly full recovery. Uh, so I think the technical term for that is shitstorm, actually, because yeah, <laughs> everything happening at the same time, it's awful. Yeah. I actually saw you competing in Madrid because I was there taking pictures for the programme. And um, and I was next to, I struggled to pronounce her name because I'm not sure of how to say her name, but your photographer, Anine? Anya. Anya. See? So... We use, if you can't pronounce your name, we just call her Miri. <laughs> okay. 
So uh, Briggsy, Briggsy couldn't pronounce her name one time, so then renamed her as Mary. So now everyone just calls her Mary because they can't pronounce her name. <laughs> so, I mean, I, one of the things that I noticed about you and Jacqueline is that you are physically pretty similar, actually. You're like similar heights, similar weights. And it must be kind of difficult when you, like you especially in um, strength in depth, when you were competing, you were neck and neck all weekend. That was really interesting from a, from a spectator's point of view, watching it. I guess it's, it's like finding the edge in order to beat each other and at strength and depth, you know. I mean, the atmosphere was pretty good, I thought. I didn't feel like anybody was... Um, any, like, I did, it didn't feel like there was a lot of animosity between uh, the competitors. But obviously, when when it came down to it, like, she came first and, yeah. and you came second in that situation. But it was like you were, like, trading first place with each other all weekend. So does that become something that you can laugh about later or does it really get under your skin? No, like I, I didn't care. And like we both had the conversation, you know, like we did literally didn't give a crap if we were first or fifth. And the only goal was to be one, two, three, four, five. It was an absolute bonus to be standing on the box for, you know, versus standing fourth or fifth as such. But like we, we spoke about it, it was after day two, I think. And we were just like, look, like we just want the same thing here. We just want one, two, three, four, five, whatever happens, happens here. And yeah, no, like I, it was so much fun, you know, like swapping places all weekend and um, like the the one of the best moments and it'll probably remain there for a long time is that lift um you know like that was that was awesome um and that's like that's that's what just being a competitor is all about like I um I had a really sore stomach just before that event and I literally like said to Sam I was like I I, I feel shit I was like I can't lift and she was like because that's why like whenever Sam tapped out she really started cheering for me because she knew in the warm-up area I was a mess like um just my stomach just went into knots and I literally could hardly do 90 kilos backstage and I was breaking it um (laughs) because so um yeah I was really panicking and then I just put on the same weight as Jacqueline did and I was like well I better just tie in for whatever she lifts than trying to beat her here and then it was just quite you know it was quite funny at the in the end you know but yeah, no, it was it was just class the whole weekend. Yeah, it was a really good, a great competition to to be part of, to watch it, and to take pictures of. Um, yeah, and then you, and obviously, you've been to the games, and you had um, a very noisy supporting team with you this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I think Sam is an amazing athlete and an amazing person, and um, I've actually named one of my cats after her because it never gives up. And um, I've just, it was really cool to watch that relationship again between the two of you because it was, she obviously just was so fiercely wanting you to do so well. How is it to have somebody like that in your corner? Oh, yeah, like, it's it's amazing, you know, like, obviously, I uh, she's one of the reasons why I pursued um, you know, trying to make it to the games. I was like, if, if someone from from GB can make it to the games, someone from Ireland can make it too. You know, and um, obviously watching her journey, and I was just like, well, you know, there's no reason why if I don't just work hard, you know, the same thing, you know, will happen to me. And you know, and obviously then whenever it does happen to you, you're like, you know, hopefully someday someone will think, well, if Emma McQuaid made it, I can make it. You know, because I you know everyone says oh she went and into the gym and had muscle ups on her first day and I'm like that's as far away from the truth as you'll ever get you know it, every single step of the way was hard work and 
um, a lot of tears before you actually succeeded. And obviously, I see how hard Sam works in the gym to get the skills as well. And um, obviously, the engine comes to her quite naturally. And um, but the strength and like the skill elements took a lot of hard graft. And I kind of think I'm the same, that same kind of athlete. Um, so yeah, it's just it's unreal now that she's in my corner, uh, helping me. Like it is just a wee bit surreal to think that she's she's been like you know help was there on the way for what a plus my first ever win and then was in my corner this year at the games and hopefully be be there again next year at the games so yeah no it was it's just class having her there what is what kind of insights can she give you as a com as a fellow competitor when you're at the games what kind of things was she doing for you um like believe it or not like it's she's not doing anything that no one else wouldn't do for you but it's just she makes my weekend so like easy. Um, like she knows she'll just have food ready for me without even me asking for food. She'll have like my hydration tablets or my carbs drink or a banana, a bagel, like all those wee things that I know that I need that I probably just have a pure bubble brain because I'm competing, you know, and forget to eat or whatever, where she's just she knows what we need as athletes and she's just She's one step ahead of me at all times, um, which is just, it's exactly what I need. You know, like, um, that's what, like, whenever I come home from the games, like I said to my coach, you know, Jousey, um, like, I absolutely love him being there. But I was like, he's a coach and he's just a coach where I need someone to kind of look after me. Yeah. But, you know, know how to do it as well, because. I don't like to be mothered in any way. And I don't like someone being soft on me. Um, but Sam just does everything right. She's like, right, McQuaid, eat the bagel. And I'll just eat the bagel, you know. And she just sort of tell me, here, have that, have that. Or, you know, if I'm being an absolute, like, wuss or something, she'll say, right, wise up, you've got this, you know, kind of thing. You know, she'll not be she'll not be easy on me. But she knows, she knows how I am as an athlete. And she knows what makes me tick. <laughs> so she does, which I think helps. Like a tough big sister. Yeah, yeah, basically that. No, she is very tough, big sister. <laughs> You've had a great season, though. I mean, you you were second in Madrid, thirteenth in Rogue, twelfth at the Games, second year in the row that you're twelfth at the Games. Is that it now for the until the Open next year? Have you got any more competitions coming up? Uh, yeah, so doing team team Waterpalooza. Okay. Um, so yeah, that'll be just just like we shake down for to start the year, um, and then Open quarter semis, and hopefully beyond that. Who's in no team at Woodapalooza? Uh, me, Jacqueline and Sola. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know that. You didn't realise she was off to Miami. I'll have to have a little word. <laughs> That's going to be fun. That is actually going to be a great team. And you're, yeah, uh, what are you, what's your name? What's your team name? Uh, just uh, Team Goward. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, so tell me about the Irish national championships that you've just been at i read somewhere that you didn't exactly fuel yourself very well going into that week because it was just after rogue in fact i think it was in the more i think the morning chalk up said you'd all you'd eaten was crisp is that true is that true i had i i didn't eat literally any food all week all i had was a bag of doritos every day and maybe like some chocolate and that really? was it. <laughs> yeah I just kind of go on like an absolute like just like binge binge eat after a competition. Um, yeah, I don't like. I just I'm like I'm just sick of eating like rice, chicken, and salmon, and kind of all that. So I just don't really eat, and then I'll just eat shit instead. So yeah, 
it's not exactly what you should do, but I just, I did it. Have you got any nutrition sponsors you'd like? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could get Doritos to sponsor you. I know. Just slide into my DMs, no problem. <laughs> Fueled by chips. So tell me about the competition. Were you expecting to come away with a win? No, like I was absolutely bricking it. I warmed up and uh, I swore, like my coach said to me on Wednesday, he's like, right, mate, you need to touch a barbell. I was like, yeah, 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 I will. Didn't. And then on Thursday, he says, right, mate, have you touched the barbell yet? Yeah, yeah, I'm going out to the end of the gym. Didn't. And then Friday, he's like, right, mate, I really need you to touch a barbell today. I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. And David said to me, he was like, do you want to go to the pub? And I was like, yeah, let's go. And didn't touch a barbell on Friday. And then we went to, we ended up going to the pub and actually had like five ciders each. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, I was like, oh, this isn't going to end well tomorrow. So yeah, no, I didn't have any expectations. And um, yeah, I warmed up on Saturday and I was so shaky, like in my arms. I was like, this is going to be so bad. And like, he put my water down as like, 78 kilos so I was like I have to lift this because the bar was forward and I was like oh shit I don't know if I can lift 78 kilos today but yeah I was like did it so but no it was a bit crazy it's like going into the office after a week a weekend on a bender and having to like you know do a presentation at nine o'clock in the morning you just gotta send it somehow (laughs) well he shouted at me because he was like he wanted me to lift in the 64 category. And usually, like, my body weight sits at 65, like, all year round. And I was like, yeah, 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 that'll be fine. Like, I'll see that off, like, overnight. And uh, he was like, on Thursday, he was like, weigh yourself. I was like, no chance. I was like, I've had shit all week. I was like, I'm not weighing myself. And then I went in on the I went in on the Saturday morning. I was 67 kilos. <laughs> and he was like, what the hell were you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I told you I have to be sensible. Like I would I could go to 70 kilos in a week if I wasn't like like dieting. So um I was like, I told you I was a fat kid all week. <laughs> so yeah. So well, congratulations, but you can see it your pants. Imagine what you could do if you were no, anyway. <laughs> I think I think it's kind of perfect that you went in slightly hungover and a little bit fat and you did it anyway. <laughs> you do it. You're doing it like the rest of us would, basically. I was like, maybe is there is my like calling when we left them then? I was like, sounds like way more fun. So what would you say, um, like when we look at when we look at your kind of career, what would you say have been the biggest um challenges that you faced in your training? Because like weightlifting sounds like something that actually you it comes kind of naturally to you. Uh, no definitely not like um whenever I first started CrossFit like weightlifting was one of the most unnatural things for me because of my movement um like I couldn't I could not put uh, go into like even with an empty brush shaft I couldn't go into the snatch position because uh, my previous sport was quad racing so um I was always like you know like cyclists you know like very rounded shoulder punch forward um, and obviously I was in that sport from I was six until I was 24 um so it's quite a long time um with nicely rounded shoulders and then you go to try and open them up into a snatch uh it wasn't wasn't very pleasant 
Um, so it took me a long time. And then my ankle mobility is is so bad as well. Um, again, being in a fixed boot um, from the from the motocross again for so long. Um, so I definitely wouldn't say the weightlifting came natural. I think more so like the raw strength came natural at the start. Um, like I kind of muscle cleaned, you know, 80 kilos and kind of pushed, pressed it, you know, um, it was very non-technical, but I was kind of like capped at that, like maybe 80 kilos very early on until I fixed my movements. And then maybe the snatch was at like maybe 55, 60 kilos for a very long time again until I fixed my movement. Um, it wasn't until I had shoulder surgery in 2016 until I realized, okay, you can't move bad anymore. You have to actually move well or you're going to get broke. So um, having the shoulder surgery was probably the biggest blessing um, because it made me really dial in like my mobility. And then once I come back from the shoulder surgery, I would say the weightlifting was a lot more natural because I could get into the bottom of a squat and I could um, squat snatch instead of power and write it down, etc. So, um, but all these things, they all happen kind of for a reason, essentially, and they make you better overall. Do you see, presumably you're doing a lot of mobility work every day? Yeah, every every single day. Like I would always start like the morning stretching, like go on um, and stuff. And then I would always um, do like my, my coach, James, uh, he's, he's amazing for like keeping on top of things. Um, like we're working quite a lot at the minute on like my ankle because I did my ankle at Waterpalooza this year. And obviously just because the season, we just kind of had to get straight into it. Um, we obviously tried our best to manage it throughout the year, but now we're, we're actually dialing it in. And we've realized I've been compensating for quite a while now. Um, because I am um, I was like, oh my God, I was like, I can feel both legs working, not just my right leg. You know, I was like, it's really nice to have left leg doms again. So I've obviously been shifting a lot of weight over onto the onto the right. So um my coaches like like were really even though like the go wad's amazing but um it's working two muscles but I need to really specifically work the left side at the minute so we're really you know focusing on this left side at the moment it's kind of like doing two times on the left to one time on the right because that's been lacking for nearly nine months yeah you got you're overcompensating you end up very well I, I mean I, I'm a constantly injured somehow and I know I overcompensate all kinds of things. I'm very wonky. I'm like a Z. <laughs> so um, I want to like you're obviously a really really hard working person. Um, and like being in quad racing from when you were six until you were twenty four. Yeah, I mean that was that was your main sport. But what does um what what does it actually entail? Because I what what phys- how physically demanding is that sport compared to CrossFit now? What are the differences? It's way harder. It's honestly the most physically challenging sport you'll ever do in your life. Really? Why? <laughs> it's um, um, it's just a total body workout. Um, you know, like you, you're having to like handle a machine that goes upwards of maybe like ninety mile an hour round like a rough motocross. Like it's 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 motocross, so it's like um we ride like atvs the quad bikes ride the exact same terrain as the two-wheelers so over the jumps um like hard surfaces sand surfaces etc so you've got three 20 20 minute races every day um plus a qualifying 
So like if anyone's ever done it, done a 20 minute walk test on a C2 bike, do that three times in one day, one every two hours. And, you know, that's that's how physically challenging it is. And then add in the muscular fatigue of doing probably 300 pull-ups after every 20-minute watt test. That's that's how, you know, it's physically demanding on your upper body, your heart and lungs, like your core, everything. Um, like the last time I rode the quad was I did a one race last September and I was sore for two weeks after it. Okay. Like, I I couldn't even I couldn't even do the last. It's the first time I ever couldn't finish a weekend's racing. Uh, we had to go home. I did I did the three races on the Saturday, and we did two races on Sunday. And I physically couldn't do the last race. Like it is so challenging. Obviously, I have been off the quad from like my last race was 2017. So it is quite a while from I've been off it, but. Like I'm far fitter and far stronger than I've ever been in my life, and I still couldn't do a full race weekend. I mean, is so, it is it a, is it a predominantly popular in Ireland, or is it an international sport? It's an international sport. Uh, like Ireland, Ireland, like to put it into context. Um, so like there's a quad nations every year. So the best three riders from every country in the entire world go to it. Um, and the United States. Kind of like CrossFit, they're the best. So they are. Um, so the um, the US win every year. Um, but Ireland have been second, second or third for consecutively for the last four years. So Ireland is one of the obviously the best in the world, essentially, um, riders. Um so it's obviously whenever you go back racing, like if you're if you're anywhere in the top five, you're you're going really, really well. Um, but in the UK, it's massive as well. And then Europe, um, it's big. But America is the same. It's the same as nearly every sport. America is where it's the best of the world. Now, from what I understand, you you stopped quad racing after your husband David had his accident, and and then you and then you found CrossFit whilst he was in California at doing physiotherapy. Yeah. So he was over um, at a place called Project Walk. So he was. Um, well, we were both there. I was, I was learning how to like help him, like on the rehab side of things. And so, yeah, so he was, he was learning how to like build, like they kind of helped him like to build a stronger core and just to be a lot more independent. Um, and then I did like the course on how to do the rehab with him as well when we got home. Um, but then whenever the days that they weren't teaching me, then I would just go to the gym and pass two hours um, while he was getting the rehab. So and I, I kind of just stumbled across these girls doing CrossFit and like a gymnasium and joined in. And that was me hooked. Because like you said, you you didn't have your muscle ups on the first day or anything. So, I mean, you, you're kind of enjoying the kind of the physical challenges of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just love, uh, love just learning all the new skills, you know, every, every day. But you're still, you know, every day now I'm still learning new skills. So um, that's the best part, best bit about it. Yeah, like skipping, for example. <laughs> Mate, I was there at the games on that one. I've got some great pictures of uh, of um, lots of sniggering going on backstage between various athletes. I think you were one of them um, when when nobody could do the double under crossover, whatever they were things. It was just it was a, a humbling experience for everybody, but very entertaining for anybody who can't get double unders. <laughs> so, 
How is it going? Uh, the double neck crossovers are still not going, but um, the single unders are there now, thankfully. Well, they are, so yeah, and no, I'll say never ending whipping challenge. But sure, we'll keep trying. I think, I'm sure I'm sure it's you and Lucy Campbell that I have pictures of. Oh, so bad. Sniggering. You guys looked a bit embarrassed as well. Pardon? I'll pay you not to share them. <laughs> no, I'll send them to you. <laughs> but um, one of the questions that I had from a listener was, how did you manage to jump so many places from year one in the Open when you were 6,480th to 36th in the following year? He really wants to know. He actually wrote, wrote to me in Spanish and wanted to know this as well. It's a question from Enrique. Uh, yeah, like just like the very first year, you know, I literally found CrossFits like and they were saying in the gym, go on, you'll sign up for this year. I was like, there's not a chance. I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, I like I found CrossFit like I'd say it was within the week of of the CrossFit Open. So there there wasn't, wasn't really a skill set um, going in. Um, I just recall. And the first workout couldn't do a double under. Like, I don't even think I got a score because I couldn't do a double under. Um, and then second workout, there was muscle ups, and I'm certain I did the hardest struggle up there ever was. Um, definitely wasn't a muscle up, but it was. We got over the ring somehow. Uh, and then can't remember the in between ones, but I recall the last workout was deadlifts and box jumps, and I finished like 30, 35th in the world in that workout and uh, yeah and uh, I remember after so I was like hold on a second did I just finish 35th in the world and uh, me and my husband well boyfriend at the time was like here you get your shit together and like you're gonna be decent and I was like nah I was like that's just a fluke and then yeah learned the skills etc and yeah we kind of just incrementally increased and got better every year I mean, he, he that was the same year that he had his accident was that or is it or was it earlier that, that he had his accident no David David had his accident in uh, August 2012 so how does it how does it um work now that he he obviously can't quad race any longer does he compete in any sports no so um he instead now he actually um helps one of our best friends um He's Ulster Irish and British champion. Um, so David runs runs the quad for him instead now. So he'll do all the mechanic in and uh, maintaining of the quad. So he's still hev- heavily involved in the quad racing, but just just from the sidelines now. So um, so yeah, he's I think he kind of 2013, 2014, maybe even 2015. Kind of we fairly stayed away from the racing because it was just just too emotionally emotionally hard, etc. For us. Um, and then I think it was in around 2016-17 um, David kind of got back involved again maybe 2015 um, and then from then he's kind of um, helped someone each year so he's been helping Mark now from 2017 I think and every year he's won won a championship so it's been it's been really oh well done yeah it's been very rewarding for him um, so he's done two years in a row now winning we call it like the triple the British Ulster and the Irish so um, I think Mark's one of the only. I think he's the only person ever, ever to do that. So it's a, it's a big achievement. That is huge. I mean, there's so, 
my daughter's really interested in Formula One and she's like, she's not interested in driving the car. She wants to be a race strategist. So there's like the, the team around the driver is, is so, so important. So anyway, that's, um, let me ask you another question from Marike because he also, he's a, do- he's a pediatrician, he's a doctor and he wants to know, given the Doritos uh, issue recently, what is a typical day of eating for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, just a, a normal day is eating. Um, I would kind of like, I don't like eating a lot in the morning because I always do my conditioning in the morning. Um, so I kind of usually just have like a banana or like I'd have like this cycle, like we have them in Ireland, like a serene bread. So it's like a little like. Ooh, and malted loaf. Have you had them before? I love them. They're yummy. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. So I'd have like maybe a banana and like a serene bread. And then I'll come out and I'll do my morning session. And um, then I'll go in, in around like, started like half eight or so, go in around ha- half nine, ten, uh, sorry, half ten, eleven. And then I'll kind of like have my like first uh, meal of the day. Um, it's usually same normal athlete diet. It's either rice, veg, chicken, salmon, turkey, or like uh, potatoes. Um, so it's either one of those. I get my meals freshly de- delivered twice a week um so it's kind of they're all kind of the same but different but it's either sweet potatoes potatoes rice or like a pasta is like carbs i'll always have some kind of veg and it'll either be like chicken salmon cod um or like turkey kind of thing will be the um the meat choice um i'll have then i kind of tend to stay away from red meat during the week because i feel just a wee bit heavy on my stomach um i'll have red meat at the weekends just when i'm like um, like on Saturday night if I know I'm resting on a Sunday just so if my tummy does get a wee bit sore I've got a day to feel good again um, and then like again I train again I'd probably have like just like a shake with like again a banana a scoop of protein a scoop of carbs train it train again and then I'd have my dinner and then like we snacks in between like dates and apple stuff like that there and um, so I, I'm a big I'm a big snacker um, so I'd always have at least two main meals a day with like like shakes, like wee fruit loaves and snacks in between. Where are you in Ireland? I mean, I, I have this image of you being in the countryside. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, we're we're out, out in the country, so we are. But we're like we're in the country, but we're quite close. Like we're only like 20, 20 minutes from Belfast, so like we're quite close to the city, but we're we're still quite quite out in the country as well. And you've got. Not pets, but animals, yeah? You've got a donkey? We've got a donkey called June and a horse called Ben. Oh, a horse? Do you ride him? No, it's uh, my sister-in-law horse. She, she rides him. Oh, okay. Because I, I kind of think that's kind of a nice way to, to live, isn't it? To be outside in the country, but close to a city. It's like a, it's a great balance. Yeah, for sure. So you're often training on your own or you train in a box? What do you, what's your training schedule like? Um, I train, I would say, good 80% at home. Um, and then I would go to, like, my friend's gym. Uh, Mickey Smith has a gym. He's only, like, he, li- he actually lives where my home hometown is um, in Uri. So I would go to him, like, once or twice a week um, for, like, one, ses- one session, one or two sessions a week. And then I would train um, in another gym um, in bo- Boundary CrossFit, it's called, as well, um, like, once a week as well, and just have a wee bit of company um but yeah outside of that I kind of like my own routine um especially like whenever you're training like here maybe three times a day um it's nice just to be at home and 
you're not driving and wasting time you know instead of driving you can be resting mm. so you're training on your own or do you have par- training partners that come and train with you uh yeah so like my my friend like mickey he's my is he we follow the same programming uh, from the same coach um so like he would come down to mine like one two days a week and then I'd go to him like one two days a week and then I'd have like different people come like on the Fridays and stuff after work or whatever is uh, I think that can be so isolating for elite elite athletes when they're always on their own it's like the it's, I think it's really important to have that and a social element as well oh like big time um it's <laughs> like I actually laughed um yesterday I had um 12 12 10 seconds uh all out uh echo bike sprints and i actually saved it and did it in um one of my like pt sessions with like my girls and i says to them right i was like four years there's sorry there's three years years are gonna do four sprints each and by the time we go so you'll do four eight twelve and i was like your clock will keep rolling on and i was like you have to beat me because I'm doing it all well. So I was kind of like trying to set like myself challenges. So I was like, there's three versus one. As a use half to beat me. Um, so it's just like we things like that, because we're working quite a lot on power and uh, power and strength at the minute. Um, so I'm just trying to find ways to be a wee bit more competitive, even though I am by myself as such. Yeah. I think, uh, and, you're, and you're working as a PT as well still. Yeah, well, I wouldn't really say it's work. Um, I've had like the same bunch of clients for like about ten years. Um, so they're like my motocross motocross gang. Um, so yeah, uh, it's work with without being work as such. Um, they're all mates. It's more a gang. Yeah, it's just like the crew. It's like the five pm crew and the five forty five crew. Um. Most times I just jump in and train with them as well. You know, it's it, they've been there that long. They're part of the furniture now. What would be your advice for the, um, young Emma McQuaid? Say there's a as a teenager that is um, got some talent, got some interest in, in competing in CrossFit. What would you tell that teenager? Um, probably to have more confidence in herself. So I would more more confidence is the biggest one. Yeah, believe in yourself. Yeah. Did you struggle with self-confidence when you were a teenager? Um, probably probably not as much as a teenager, but probably more as an adult. So it is. So it's probably if you started maybe believing in yourself from a younger age, you'd believe in yourself the whole way through. But I probably didn't really notice it. Um, but it probably came from always racing against guys and not having the confidence that because you're a girl you can do it too. So, it is. so quad racing doesn't separate men from women. No. So you have to be pretty tough. Yeah, I've only I was I've been one of the only females um to make it into like the premier division uh, in quad racing. Um I don't think there's any other female that's ever made it into the premier division. So um so yeah, no, it's yeah, always racing against guys is hard. And I always like I always say to them, I was like, if I come back, I'm going into the back down into the B grade, and they're like, No, you're not. I'm like, I haven't raced in ten years. I was like why can't I move down? And they're like, I'm like, that's actually not fair. <laughs> I was like, everyone else gets to move down. It's, the rule is if you haven't raced in three years, you can move down. And I was like, I haven't raced in 10. <laughs> but no, they're like, nope, you have to come back and come back into the premiere. And I was like, oh, it's just so unfair. <laughs> is there, is there like, um, like with a 
elite CrossFit athlete when you reach about 35, or if you're Briggsy, 40, then, that you start to look at either retiring or going into masters. When that when that age comes to you, would you? What is your plan? What will you do? Will you retire? Will you move back into quad racing, or have you got some idea about what you'll do in the future? Um, I do. I do know. I would love. Maybe not a full season, but I would love to go back and do um some races. Um, I have already committed. I'm doing a race next August, a 12-hour race in France um, with two girls. Um, so we're doing an all-ladies all team for 12 hours. Um, so that's 27th and 9th of August next year. Um, so like I'm the highest ever female finisher at that event. Um, so obviously, like um, I'd love to go back and try and, try and beat that record. Um, so I would. Um, so I've loads of like, wee personal records I want to try and beat in the quad racing. Um, I want to go back to America and do a couple more races. Um, there's a there's a pro ladies class in America, so I'd get to race against all women. Um, so I want to go over there and do a few more races. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a few different like wee small like goals that I would like to achieve in the quad racing. So, do you think that you do you think that you've still got a way to go to reach your peak in CrossFit, or do you think now that you're you're kind of physically where you're at? Is, is the best you're going to get or do you think you've got more to come in the next season no I definitely like like already like we've kind of like from rogue switched things up a little bit um obviously like my biggest weakness beforehand like was my engine and stuff um so we've worked so hard on that now and I think like in terms of like my crossfit and like my um like any of the endurance events I was top 10 any of the crossfit events Outnight Red Cross, that was top five. Um, so it's kind of like now the power output events I was shocking at. Like anything that was under five minutes, I was nowhere in the field. Um, so my like kind of medium and long game is quite good. So we're kind of sw- switched focus a little bit. Um, we're trying to like sharpen those areas up before up now. Um, as as like in my earlier years anything sub five minutes was actually my strength um so it's kind of like now we kind of need it nearly need to try and find that again and not lose the medium and the top end um so we're kind of switching switching focus a little bit you know like obviously already in that time like yesterday I had a 90 kilo snatch so like I've PB'd my snatch already from kind of like focusing a little bit more in lifting like we're lifting now five days a week where previous we've only really lifted a maximum of three so that's two extra days doing strength um we're doing two extra power sessions a week we're normally we're only really doing one or one every other week um and i've noticed already like yesterday it's the most power i put i've ever put out on the salt bike and um, so it's like i think like my body's a little bit fresher because the volume's lower and i'm actually starting to like see progress um so no i definitely i don't think i'm I don't think I'm tapped out yet. Like my overall training years are still actually quite young as a CrossFitter. Um, you know, I'm going into my ninth training year, which isn't actually that lot that much. Whenever you think like Mal and those younger girls are going into their ninth year, um, so it kind of goes more in training years than anything. And I think like if I stop eating Doritos and drinking cider, uh, <laughs> uh, that, that was one way. Um, no, I think like, the biggest thing is looking after your body, um, like the sleep and the recovery and all that there, like all that 
keeps you fit and healthy as well. So, and I'm very, very anal on keeping on top of like my physio, my body work and like my rehab stuff. So I think if I can just keep my body healthy, um, I'm really excited to see the improvements for next year. Me too. That sounds amazing. So yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. I am excited to see what happens with you next year. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Good luck in Miami. Have fun. And uh, I'll see you at semifinals somewhere, I guess. Well, they're not sem- are they still called semifinals? Yeah, they're still called semifinals, aren't they? We just, God knows where they are and all that stuff. It's that sort of thing. I hope it's not. Me too, but I mean, who knows? It could be Madrid again. Yeah, Madrid is good. I think London was just so good because the accommodations are so close. But like Madrid is nice, but you don't have that accommodation close by. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And um, yeah, there's not a Greg's in Madrid. <laughs> Greg's. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important because I live in Mallorca. So going to somewhere like the UK, I always have to come back with pie. Ah, oh, pie. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Well, thanks very much for talking to me today, Emma, and um, have a, a great time in Miami and lots of love to your family and also to Ellie. Everybody's very concerned about her. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, Emma, and best of luck, Team GoWod in Miami. By the way, we have a Europe is Coming offer for you. You can get a 10% discount on all of the program courses or the Athlete Academy. Just pop in the code EIC at the checkout to get the deal. You need to visit the website, theprogram.com, and take a look at the courses and academy and make your pick. This episode was edited by Marta Vidal-Candel and hosted by me, Vicky McLeod. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.